Hello, greetings. Thank you for your interest in spiritual matters, and thank you for giving us the gift of spending time together as we continue to consider what God has made known in Christ and in the witness of Scripture. My name is Ethan, and I work with the Venice Church of Christ. We are a non-denominational church of disciples making disciples in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to be of service to you. If we can be of any benefit, if any questions or comments about anything that we're talking about, please reach out to us in the comments section. Uh, subscribe to us where you found us. And uh, if we can be of any further assistance, please reach out to us at VeniceChurchOfChrist.org. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. In the Lord's Prayer, when Jesus prays in both Matthew 6 and in Luke chapter 11, in both circumstances, one of the aspects of the prayer, and in fact a, an aspect that is as much a warning and, and an instruction as it is a petition, is for that we would uh, have, that God would forgive us our debts or our transgressions as we have forgiven others their debts or transgressions. And you can tell that that's really an important part of what Jesus is trying to communicate there, because afterward, in Matthew 6, he says that if you forgive others their transgressions, God will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their transgressions, then God will not forgive you. Forgiveness, therefore, is a really important aspect to uh, the Christian life and regarding Christian attitudes toward other people. And thus, it's always good for us to spend some time considering the nature of forgiveness and what forgiveness is all about. Now, with forgiveness, it is somewhat important for us to consider the Greek word because it helps us kind of get a really good handle on the idea of what's going on with forgiveness. The Greek word is the Greek word aphasis, which means a release from bondage or imprisonment forgiveness or pardon of sins, a remission of the penalty. And I want to really focus there on that first word, release. An aphasis is a release, a releasing. And we're going to come back to that over and over again. Uh, we want to look at the English definition. Uh, it is the act of forgiving, the pardon of an offender by which he is considered and treated as not guilty, the pardon or remission of an offense or crime as the forgiveness of sin or of injuries, a disposition to pardon, a willingness to forgive, remission of a debt, fine, or penalty. So that forgiveness is a release. It's a release from an obligation. And we understand this in terms of debt forgiveness, um, which is kind of a thing going on in the news, and often is, if uh, you owe $1,000 or $10,000 and that debt is forgiven, you recognize you are no longer obligated to pay it. What it means is that someone else has taken on the loss of that $1,000 or $10,000. And that's the operative principle about forgiveness, that when someone is forgiven, there is an offense, there is a loss, someone has to take the injury. And the one who is forgiving is accepting or is suffering that loss so that the one who is forgiven is released from that obligation and is delivered from the consequences of that obligation. And so when we talk about this in terms of money, we understand, right? If uh, somebody uh, lends somebody else $10,000 uh, then and that person then forgives the person to whom he lent the $10,000 at $10,000, that means that the one who has given the money is willing to accept the loss of that money. They're not going to see that $10,000 again. They have suffered and absorbed the loss of that $10,000. And so when it comes to sin, uh, we understand that with every transgression, there is to be a penalty. There's some kind of thing to be suffered. 
and that if there is forgiveness of that sin or transgression, it means that those consequences of that transgression are instead being absorbed or borne by the one who is offering the forgiveness. And again, this is our, the mental state we need to keep in mind as we uh, consider and talk about uh, what we're going to see from Scripture and the situations about forgiveness that come up in conversation. Now, uh, one of the things that we often hear about uh, forgiveness is the idea that we need to forgive and forget, that the mode of forgiveness is to be forgive and then to forget. Now, some will try to appeal to Jeremiah 31, 31-33, which the Hebrews author will quote in Hebrews 10, 16, and 17, where God said he's not going to remember sin any longer as the justification for uh, forgiving and forgetting. Um, but we have to remember there that there is this a contrast that we can make, and it's not merely a pedantic one, between not holding against and actually completely forgetting. Uh, what's being communicated in Jeremiah and Hebrews is the fact that God is no longer going to hold sin against somebody and thus will not remember it anymore. That does not mean that he has forgotten that it has taken place or that it was something that took place. Um, in Matthew 18, there's this parable that we can talk about many times where Jesus talks about how there is a master who forgave two uh, debts. And... Um, then when the uh, servant does not forgive his fellow servant, uh, the master then puts in jail the original uh, person he forgave because of his lack of willingness to forgive others. Uh, if that were truly true that God forgave and then forgot, he would not have remembered that he had done this for this person, right? Uh, when, in fact, the reason that this whole parable was given is that Peter uh, asked Jesus, how many times do I forgive my brother? And Jesus then says, I say to you, 70 times 7. Uh, how can we know that we have forgiven them more than once if we have uh, it? So it is not a situation where forgiveness demands forgetting. Um, that forgiveness demands that we no longer hold a sin against a person in any way, shape, or form. And that is what's really the idea there in the witness of Scripture. And so we should understand before we get into the biblical witness, that forgiveness is releasing a person from an accrued debt or from the consequence that comes from an offense or a transgression. So when we talk about forgiveness, uh, we start with why uh, people need forgiveness, right? Why is it that God is willing to forgive mankind, but why does man need to be forgiven? Well, we can see in many passages in Scripture, and we can see the witness of God, that he is just, he is right. And righteous, and therefore he has established holy and righteous guidelines for our behaviors. And all of us transgress those. We have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory in Romans 3.23, 1 John 3 and verse 4. And that sin is offensive to God, and it causes a separation between man and God. We are alienated from God in that sinful state. Uh, and God, therefore, would be just to condemn all humanity because we have sinned against him. Uh, and in fact, there's nothing we can do to pay back that debt of sin. Once we have sin, there's nothing that we can offer that is going to allow us to be uh, forgiven of that transgression uh, or be able to cover that transgression. We can't pay it back. And that is why we need forgiveness. We can't pay God back. We can't do enough good things that will outweigh the bad things. But God must bear the loss if we are going to be able to stand before him. Uh, in former times, we see in the uh, Law of Moses, you can see in the beginning of Leviticus and described in the book of Hebrews in chapter 9, that there were many uh, animal sacrifices, right? That uh, animals were sacrificed for sin. Uh, 
But as the Hebrews author said in Hebrews 10 and verse 4, the blood of bulls and goats could not really take away sin, just kind of pushes everything forward. Uh, but Jesus uh, came and lived a righteous life, did not sin. And because he lived a righteous life and did not sin, when he was willing to suffer death on behalf of mankind, he could thus suffer the loss to atone or pay for our sins. And this is what is explained in detail in Romans 5, Hebrews 7, and 9 other passages. And thus God is willing to allow the blood of Christ to cover the sins of those who make appeal to it, and that's how they can be reconciled back to God. And we can obtain this by maintaining faith in God and Christ, by confessing the, our faith before others, by repenting and changing our heart and mind to follow Jesus, and of course being immersed in water in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness or remission of sin in Acts 2 and verse uh, 38. It's not that the water has special properties. Instead, as in 1 Peter 3 and verse 21, the uh, in, by faith, the one being baptized is making an appeal to God for a cleansed conscience in, through the resurrection of Jesus, uh, the appeal of Jesus' blood being uh, atoning for his or her sin. And that is the idea of why we go through those steps to get the cleansing from our sins, that we can have the forgiveness of sin. And once we've been baptized, of course, that does not mean that we have now stopped sinning. Unfortunately, we still do sin. And in 1 John 1 and verse 9, John says that God is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sin if we confess it. Confessing sin is the Greek homologeo, to speak the same thing as. And so when we want to be forgiven of our sins before God, we have to speak the same thing as. We cannot just declare to God that we are sinners. I mean, that is a true statement, but it is not a confession. It is a statement of fact. Instead, we need to ask God that he would forgive us of the things that we have done wrong. Is it uncomfortable to identify before God the things we have done wrong? Absolutely. Is it shameful? Yes, it is. It is humbling. Absolutely. And all of that is exactly the point. Because if we truly recognize that they have caused separation between us and God, or they are hurting our relationship with God, we will want to identify them as such and call them out so that we will no longer walk in them. Of course, we recognize from Romans 6.23, 2 Thessalonians 1.6-9, that if we do not have the forgiveness of our sins, we will be condemned because we will be found alienated from God, and we will maintain that alienation from God for all eternity. But there's more to forgiveness than just what's going on between God and man. Because there's, as we said in Matthew 6.12-15, Mark 11.26, uh, 11.4 and 17, you see that God associates the forgiveness of our sins with our willingness to forgive others of their sins. We see this also in Ephesians 4.32 and Colossians 3.13 in the exhortations of Paul. And this is very well and powerfully illustrated in Matthew 18. Again, we've already made reference to this in terms of kind of the technicalities of does God really forget sin? But when we look at this story, a very powerful story, Peter, you know, he, he wants to know, Jesus, if a brother sins against us and repents, uh, how often should we forgive them? The seven times? And you think that he's thinking that's a really high number. I mean, if you think about it, somebody does the same thing to you seven times, you know, six times, uh, and you forgive them. That seems to be a pretty hard thing to do, right? But then Jesus says 70 times seven. And this is not an appeal that on number 491 that you're done. No, it's a, it's multiplying to the point of getting the point where you keep doing it. And of course, this is an astonishing thing, a powerful thing. And so therefore, Jesus tells them a parable. And he says that we've got uh, a, a master and there's these the servant. And this master owes a servant, the servant owes the master, excuse me, about 10,000 talents. 
And uh, when you try to figure out how much a town will be worth, uh, we're going to say a billion dollars. Okay, we can that well a billion dollars. It's a unimaginably high number of money. And your first question is going to be, why would anybody give that much money to anybody else? And uh, but again, the the story is is it's a story, right? It's trying to draw an illustration. And so this guy owes a billion dollars. And he says, you know, have patience on me, uh, Lord, and I will pay you everything. And this master is very compassionate and forgives the debt. And then the next thing we ask is, who among us can forgive a billion-dollar loan? But, again, we're just in the story here. But then this same t uh, person who's just been forgiven of a billion dollars goes and finds his fellow man who owes him about a hundred denarii. And again, a denarius is a, a, the wage of a, a worker for a day. Um, we're going to say, you know, so a hundred denarii is how much you would make in just over three months. So think about your salary over three months. Now, a lot of times uh, when we talk about this, and we're supposed to see this, that a hundred denarii, you know, three months of, of salary uh, for most of us is nothing near a billion dollars, right? And so we can see the huge difference. And if you've been forgiven of a billion dollars, you should be willing to forgive another person of a comparatively paltry amount. But I would also focus here, though, that in your economy, most likely, three months of your salary is a pretty significant amount. This is not just, you know, a 5 or $10 thing. This is a significant amount of money we're talking about here. And so this, this fellow servant who owes the, uh, you know, however much you want to say it is, the three-month salary says, you know, have patience on me and I'll pay back everything. But this servant did not have that patience and threw him into jail until he paid back the money. And, of course, the original master heard about this and was deeply grieved, and then he called forth that servant he had uh, uh, forgiven the billion dollars of and said, hey, uh, I forgave you so much, how come you could not forgive your fellow man? And threw him in prison until he paid the last penny. Which, of course, the idea is you certainly could never really do that, right? Uh, and again, it shows us very powerfully, if God had forgotten about the billion dollars, uh, there's no way he could put him in prison, right? Uh, but that's kind of definitely downstream of the point. And, and so the point is, is that we're not talking about money, right? We're not really talking about money. We're talking about transgressions. And the idea is that we are the servant who owes a billion dollars. We, are, we owe God a billion dollars in as much as we have committed transgressions against God's holy will that we ourselves are not able to repay. But if we petition God according to his righteous loving kindness and faith in Christ, he will forgive us of that monumental debt which we could not repay. The fellow servant is our fellow human being. And his hundred denarii debt is his sin against us. And the reason why I want to make sure we saw that it was of some significance is that this sin is not merely, oh, he accidentally, like, you know, may have uh, gotten something on our clothes or accidentally, you know, caused us to trip because he, we, they weren't paying attention where they were going. It's not one of these, you know, small, slight things. This is something that would require the absorption of some kind of loss. Again, nothing compared to what we've done before God, but it is the requiring of releasing our fellow man from a substantive transgression against us. And it's going to hurt. 
it hurts when people sin against us. And when people sin against us, our righteousness reflex is still very much there. For all those who want to say that morality is just a, a construct that we use to try to guilt ourselves into feeling bad about things we want to do, uh, that, that all stops when we feel like we have been wronged. It's one of the most powerful moral sentiments we have, is that when we feel like we are wronged, we want justice. We want the other person to suffer. We want the other person to have to suffer a comparable loss. Uh, that is why in the law there was the concept of the eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. And that was not to be savage, but in fact to restrict savagery, to make sure that whatever punishment was given for a transgression was proportionate to the offense. But here we are told that there's supposed to be the absorption, that we are to absorb and not respond in kind of the transgressions of others because of how we have been forgiven by God. And therefore, we are to remember that uh, even though it may be hard at times, and it's certainly going to hurt, and we're going to feel that need for justice, that uh, if somebody has sinned against us, uh, we need to forgive them. And now the question is, do we need to forgive them only if they repent? What happens if somebody sins against us, but they don't repent? And there are a lot of uh, people, a lot of Christians with, you know, who have come to an understanding based on their study, specifically Luke 17. They've looked at Luke 17 and they see that, you know, Jesus was asked by Peter, you know, if someone sins against me and they repent, how often am I to forgive them? And Jesus talked about, if they sin and they repent, you should forgive them. So the question then becomes, what happens if they sin but they don't repent? And they've drawn the conclusion that if they have sinned but they haven't repented, then you have no responsibility or you should not forgive them. And likewise, and they appeal to the nature of God's forgiveness of us. That, you know, that if we sin, but we do not ask for forgiveness, we do not repent, God will not forgive us. And yet, when we look at the uh, witness of Scripture, we can understand where that kind of conclusion is being drawn. But in Mark 11, verse 25, Jesus used very powerful universal language. That when we are praying before God, if we have anything against anyone, we should forgive. If we have anything against anyone, we should forgive. We also have the model of what Jesus does in Luke 23 and verse 34 and what Stephen does in Acts 7 and verse 60. Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. And Stephen says, Lord, do not hold the sin against them while they are committing the sin. Now, perhaps somebody is repenting while doing it. That's not really great repentance anyway. Um, the idea in these passages shows us, and one of these things very carefully, uh, it is true that if a person is to sin and if they repent, we are to forgive them from Luke 17. It is a conclusion that you can draw that if a person sins but does not repent, you should not forgive them. But that is an inference. And, and inferences are many times very valid ways of establishing Bible authority, but we, only if that inference is not contradicted by other witness. And in Mark 11, verse 25, we have other witness that if a person repent, uh, sins against us and they aren't repenting, we should still forgive them. And some say, well, this is asking more forgiveness than what's going on with God. And that is not exactly true, but because it assumes that the way we forgive and the way God forgives are the same way. They act as if our forgiveness must model God's forgiveness. And that's something we don't see in Scripture. Um, we see that we are to forgive because God has forgiven us, but we are not able to forgive the way God forgives. 
And we can think of a very easy example about this. Um, it has not been given to the believer to hold or with which hold sin against people or to release people from their sins. We do not have that authority. That authority was invested by God in Jesus. Jesus gave a, a, a delegation of that authority to the apostles. It has not been revealed. It has been given to any of us. So therefore, if I have somebody come up against me and sinning against me, comes up to me, takes my stuff, if they... Uh, beg God for forgiveness, and God forgives them, but I refuse to forgive them, my lack of forgiveness is not going to mean that God won't forgive them. God is not bound to, a, to the fact that I have not forgiven them. He can still forgive them. Likewise, maybe I'm willing to forgive this guy of, of the fact he stole my stuff, but uh, he does not repent before God. God can still hold that sin against him, even if I have released that man from his sin. Because what God is doing, what we're doing with, with this idea of forgiveness is very different. With God, forgiveness is not about uh, holding sin against somebody uh, to treat them poorly. Now, God can punish people because of their transgressions, but we also see that God shows his loving kindness toward people, uh, the, both the unjust and the just, right? That God, when he is dealing with people, does not treat them uh, with particular malice because of their transgression. God does not demonstrate partiality. And so that's when God's dealing with matters of sin, he's not dealing with things like that. He's dealing with um, the idea, what we call more forensic, right? That the, the judgment, judicial type of forgiveness, well, where, whether or not they will be able to be uh, forgiven or not in terms of whether they're going to be able to stand before him if they've repented or not. With us, it's the exact opposite. We have no power to hold or, or with, with, you know, withdraw sin from people. Instead, our forgiveness is much more about ourselves. Our forgiveness of sins, and the reason why God wants us to forgive others, as we have been forgiven, is because when we do not forgive others, we start holding that sin against other people. It causes us to look at them with uh, the hurt, and therefore contempt or anger, hostility. We cannot love one another if we are holding one another's sin against us, each other. This is why when Paul wants to talk about Christians loving one another, tolerating one another, he says forgiving one another. Because you cannot maintain relational unity where there is uh, unreconciled uh, people. Uh, this is what you have in marriages, right? Uh, marriages fall apart because uh, the two spouses, or at least one of the spouses, continues to hold against the other the things that they have done. Uh, and there is no forgiveness. You will rarely see a situation where you have two spouses who are truly forgiving one another who are going to be uh, divided and will separate. And this is the same trade in churches, uh, in the same any group of people. And so we have to remember there's two different things going on when it comes to dealing with forgiveness. That the way that God forgives and the way we forgive are about very different things. And that's the thing. If we're going to love our enemies and do good to those who hate us, we can't hold people's sin against them. We have to forgive them. We have to release them of that burden. We have to absorb that loss. And again, we want to be very clear, that is a significant loss. This goes back to that parable that Jesus gave of the one servant having to forgive his fellow servant of three months' worth of salary. That's going to be significant. We are going to have to absorb some shame and some humiliation if we're really going to forgive people. 
uh, this is something that is very difficult to do. And we can imagine some really difficult circumstances where that uh, is to be done. Uh, In very radical ways, uh, it can be done. And it can really lead to reconciliation. Now, uh, does that mean that there should be no accountability when somebody sins against somebody else? That is a very different story. Uh, People should be held accountable by the authorities for the transgressions that they do. Uh, The fact that we forgive people is not an attempt to say that there are no consequences for their behavior. And that, of course, is why the forgive and forget thing is is something that's much more significant. That there will be consequences, but the, the consequences don't involve us no longer loving people. The consequences don't involve us seeking the harm of other people. Uh, The consequences don't mean that we do not love our enemies and do good for those who love us, hate us, or are indifferent toward us. Uh, And it's not because they deserve it. It's not because we want to in in a carnal or human sense. It's because as God has forgiven us when we were unworthy, we must model that in order to truly demonstrate that we are the reconciled people of God. And so that's the core of forgiveness. The releasing of a person of a debt or the consequences of an offense. And that means that those who forgive are willing to absorb that loss, to absorb that pain, to absorb that suffering. And then we realize that's what Jesus endured on the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins. And that is why we need to be willing to suffer a loss and forgive others, no matter how they sin, no matter the condition of who they are. Because without forgiveness, we are lost without hope. And if we refuse to forgive, we will likewise find ourselves unforgiven. And that is why forgiveness is so important. And we need to live as people who have obtained mercy and forgiveness from God and to display that mercy and forgiveness to others. Let us go to God in prayer. Father, hallowed be your name. We're so thankful for your love and care and provision for us. We're especially thankful for Jesus and the opportunity through him that you've given us to be forgiven of our sins. Uh, We pray, Father, that you would... Uh, watch over us and guide and sustain us. We are so uh, sorry for our sins. We pray for the forgiveness of our sins, and we pray that you would forgive us of our sins. We pray, Father, for the strength and the willingness to forgive others of their sins against us, uh, as you have been so willing to forgive us. And we pray that we will be able to have that strength and to do so in ways that glorify and honor you and your Son. We're mindful of all those who are ill. We pray that you would heal them and comfort, strengthen, and sustain those who mourn or in great distress. We look forward to the return of your Son that we can share with him in the resurrection of life. In his name that we pray. Amen. We're again so glad that you've joined us. If you have any questions or comments about anything we've talked about today, if you uh, would like to talk about anything else, please let us know. Reach out to us in the comments, subscribe to us, or find us at venicechurchofchrist.org. And may the Lord bless and keep you until we're able to meet again.